this is Monique Linder, producer of A Black Man Sketch. We're here live in Montgomery, Alabama. This is episode 22, and we are going to talk to you today about why we're here, why we're here on this trip, and I'm going to start off by uh, introducing the Ujama coaches that are here on the trip. Uh, greetings, Alabama, and everyone else in the U.S. Uh, this is Darnell Baker. I'm a wellness coach here at Ujama Place in St. Paul. I'm honored to be present in this sanctus. Hey, Brother Gary L., greetings, everybody, from Selma to Montgomery. It's been a blessing to be down here with my family from this civil rights tour and all this information we're learning. What's up, everyone? Andre, coach at Ujama Place. It's a privilege just to be here and to get this revelational knowledge so I can be a change. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This inspiration at Ujamaa Place, and I'm just honored to be here, just learning and just walking in the path of my uh, ancestors and just just being filled with knowledge and just sharing it as well. Now we're going to introduce uh, the Ujamaa men. The Ujamaa men, they're really the ones that we are here for. So this trip has just been um, uh, phenomenal with having the men here. Let's start off. My name is Maceo. I'm a Ujamaa man, and this trip has been an inspiration to me and a great adventure for me. I'm Cedric Smith, also a Ujamaa man, and this trip has done boundless things for me in my life and definitely motivated me to pick up the torch. And we have uh, Kevin Berry in the house. He just walked in. Introduce yourself to everyone, Kevin. Hey, how y'all doing? My name is Kevin Berry. I've been part of Ujamaa since 2016. I'm also part of the mu- Ujamaa Music Group. Hope y'all having a good night. And uh, I just got up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And this this trip is is extra special because we're here also with our Twin Cities Community of Practice Partners. And let's start off by introducing... Good evening, everybody. I'm Catrice Williams. I am the financial coaching and homeownership manager at Project for Pride and Living in Minneapolis. I'm James Page from the Cultural Wellness Center, and I came down to check out how Jamba do their thing with the young men because the Cultural Wellness Center is trying to do some similar things. Um, I want to introduce Nikki, uh, who is not here right now, but she's on the trip with us, and she's from YWCA St. Paul. And so we're here on a Jamanomics civil rights research experience. We're researching the economics of slavery and lynching and how it has impacted our lives today. Uh, Ujamaanomics is a course that we've developed with our Twin Cities Communities of Practice partners. Uh, I, we're just going to jump into it. Let's just jump into it and have a discussion about what you've learned so far. Let's start off with our Ujama men. All right, this is Maceo. Um, I want to say that so far my experience on this journey has been phenomenal. Um, today we went to uh, the Justice... Peace and Justice Peace Memorial. And, Peace and Justice Memorial. And uh, going there, it showed me a lot about my past and how far that my roots really go down here. So it, it was inspirational doing that today. Wonderful. So we visit the Peace and Justice Memorial, which is um, the Equal Justice Initiative's um, tribute and honor to all of the lynching uh, victims, known and unknown. And right? this is Cedric Smith, uh, Ujama man. Um, the biggest takeaway that I can say I've had is I rediscovered my power, and not only my power, but the power of my brothers around me. And 
I think that's super um, important for this trip because now I get to go back with my brothers and we on a mission. We know what our goal is. We don't know how we're going to get there yet, but we're working on it. That's right. We're going to figure that out. Coach Dre here. What I learned is that I need to learn. I need to really start digging deep and getting off my tail and doing some some searching and, and knowing, getting to knowing who I am and getting to knowing about my past. And so uh, this really gave me an eye opening for me to say when I get back to uh, Minnesota, I'm going to start doing some digging and learning. Uh, this is Coach Darnell uh, Baker. John Play St. Paul. Uh, it has, as I mentioned earlier, been an honor to be present uh, with the Ujamaa men as well as our uh, partners, our community partners, as well as uh, the captain that has been guiding us. Um, it's been eye-opening for me, um, moving for me, uh, especially with the Ujamaa men, um, with the discussion. And we're just finding the source of all uh, the slavery trade. I, I didn't know the depths of it until we got here today, and it's been moving. Uh, the memorial today was uh, specifically moving for me. Um, I found two of my family names on uh, the lynching list. I'm not quite sure if they're connected directly to me, but they are my names that are in my family, uh, and it's, it's humbling to me. And uh, I'm, I'm excited, um, and I know I've learned a lot, and it's just been emotionally kind of just touching me differently than I ever have before. So it uh, gave me a new perspective on the slave trade, the depth of it. I didn't know... Uh, until we came here and spend this weekend here, the depth of how much Alabama was involved uh, with even the seriousness of what we're being impacted today in 2021 based on what started here in Alabama. So, again, I'm honored to be present here um, and continue to uh, research uh, so we can pass this information on. Great. Uh, thank you uh, for that, um, Darnell. Uh, let's hear from our Twin Cities Communities of Practice partners. So we're going to first hear from Catrice. Honestly, this trip has been, it's, just, it's been really deep for me. It has, um, it has given me knowledge that, um, that I thought I had, but I didn't understand it as deeply as, um, as I thought I did. The, the immersion, like yesterday's experience in the transatlantic slave trade reenactment, it was just really, like the immersion of it, it was just really, it was really powerful, just to, just to be there and to like, have the spirit of our ancestors flowing through me, and just to see how it touched every person who I was, who I became connected to through this journey down here, just was really powerful. It was really powerful. And and let's talk about that for a minute, um, um, because we were in Selma, um, for the um, Middle Passage reenactment as well as reenactment of the Willie Lynch letter and the training of a slave. So um, you didn't mention that, but I know that was part of it that was very powerful. Sister um, Afrié from By the River Center for Humanity. Um, talk about that. Well, let's start off by talking about the fact that Monique didn't prepare us mentally for this exercise <laughs> at all. Oh, I at tried. All. We had a pre-trip. We had a pre-trip <laughs> meeting. Uh, I literally was in the nail salon when we were having this pre-trip meeting. And Sister Afrié in the pre-trip meeting was as sweet as pie. <laughs> and she, she did say, I'm smiling now, right? She did say that. But, you know, I thought that she was referring to the fact that it's going to be hot. It's gonna be hot down here, and we're gonna be we're gonna be busy. But um, you know, she got on the bus and like she personified, um, she personified 
an overseer or, um, you know, a slave trader. And we weren't mentally prepared for it. We didn't know what was happening. It was raining and, you know, us and our hair and our shoes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Us, our hair and our shoes. We weren't ready for this. And she, you know, she never broke character. She took us out in the rain, you know, and we just, we walked through this exercise and luckily, you know, everyone was really open. Most of us were really open to, you know, having this experience. And she just kind of walked us through just what we would have experienced had, you know, we been captured on the shores of Africa, you know, headed to, you know, headed to America. And we went from there to, um, you know, on like, I guess the only difference would have been that, you know, had we been captured on the shores of Africa, we probably wouldn't have understood the language, which would have made it a little harder. But, you know, we got to the shores of America and she began to condition us mentally to turn against each other. Distrust. Um, she, she created distrust. Like she asked, like she chose a few of us. And there wasn't anything different about the ones that she chose, but she just picked us out. And she made us the chosen ones, so to speak. And she then asked us to choose which of our peers were not worthy of life. And having to choose, you know, like having to choose the person next to you, essentially, because that's what everyone did. Like, you know, we didn't want to we didn't want to breed resentment. So we just said, I'm going to just touch the person next to me. You Sorry, you got to go. And then she took us through this exercise where she made us look at each other, like be, like be eye to eye. And then she, like she poured into us just hate and resentment and told us, like, this person who chose you to die so that you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not capable enough, and... Real, just taking a look at that, and taking taking yourself out of that, ex- taking myself out of that experience. I thought about like just the way that the way that we communicate with each other, and like today in twenty twenty one. That's right. It, it, it really does. The, That's exactly what yeah. you think about. And the purpose of the um, you know picking out um, was to lighten the load on the ship. Yeah, so it was to lighten the load about on the ship to to get it to the shores faster. Life. A human life, a right? Human life. So it it was yeah, definitely powerful. A, a human life. Yeah, so James, Brother James. Um, yeah, that Willie Lynch reenactment. I knew I was coming to watch it, but I didn't know I was going to be a part of it. Yeah. And uh, but that is what made it special because I think I started relating with my heart more than intellectually. It, it uh, it made me actually look at. I got in their shoes and started looking at it from the outside in. It made me feel like I was actually in those shoes and I could actually relate to what they went through. And I, I began to understand how the separation, how how the whole thing ended up the way it did. And actually how strong the ones were that actually made it and the ones that conformed and went on to start changing and, make, and breaking the freedom to where I got today was the ones that actually went through the most uh, things to get me actually where I'm here right today. So I I think um, this has been the most, the best trip I've ever been on for us, opening my eyes and my mind to, and my heart to uh, 
you know, uh, uh, handling my freedom and passing it down to my, my grandkids and my That's son. And, so, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So. Um, I would like to add Coach Darnell here um, in regards to that experience. Um, I, too, found myself um, slowly losing my freedom, even though I knew it was an enactment. Um, I found myself when uh, the instructor asked us to look to the river and think of all the niggas that had died and bounced off these walls and landed in that river. And as I was watching that, my heart was saddening, but I was looking at three different insects, three different insects on a rail and how free they were walking up and down the little rail. And I was thinking, I'm getting ready to lose my freedom as these bugs are moving as they're free. And I was like, oh, I almost want to be a bug right now because we're getting ready to go somewhere I don't want to go. It was really impactful on that, on that level, um, especially hearing, because I even found myself questioning myself, what kind of slave, enslaved would I have been? Would I have been one of them good ones that did what I was asked to do? Because I didn't look at her. I looked forward. Um, I wanted to look, and, and I wanted to feel what people's pains were, but I didn't want to look. I was scared to look away, so I didn't want her to confront me. Uh, so there was just a lot of emotions uh, going on at that time, and I couldn't even imagine being the ones having to select my own people who should go off this ship. Um, um, but overall, um, the experience was uh, very empowering, very empowering. Um, this is Cedric, um, and I just want to touch on a very touching piece that happened for me. And it was in the point where Miss um, Afriye threw us in the bottom of a ship, and it was dark down there, and you could hear... Um, she did a reenactment of what slaves would have been saying. And um, I remember a quote, and she said, you promise, you promise if I gave you 15, I could keep the last one. And she came, at this point, we were out of the ship, but she came down and she said, uh, my babies, where are my babies? And that tugged on me because I feel like all of our ancestors are disappointed in us and my generation just because of the things, how we progressed. We went backwards. I feel like we're doing them. I felt guilty myself, Cedric, because I felt like we was doing our ancestors a, a injustice. But Miss Afria definitely opened our eyes and she embraced our emotion. She, she knew that it was we were taking the chains off of us. And it was crazy because we did a reenactment of the Middle Passage and that's what freed us. And I think that was powerful. Um, the powerful aspect to me was as soon as we got off the bus and lined up like slaves, men and women, she immediately chose a part that's not described in the Willie Lynch letter. And she had a sambo come and shake us all down, one of our own brothers, who immediately, he accepted the role of sambo, not knowing, not aware that he was being put against us immediately. And as a slave, me being a slave at that time, I didn't want my own slave brother shaking me down for this European master. So I opposed it. I turned away from it. That was only because I was aware of what Sambo represented and what he was. Um, Sambo, by the way, was a figure in the Uncle Tom's Cabin book, which we didn't have a chance to peruse. I highly suggest it. That way we'd become acquainted with it. Sambo whipped slaves. He caught slaves. He ran and whipped slaves 
for the slave master. Sambo did everything for the slave master. And when I caught myself turning around and, and you know, I know my attitude, I know my ways, and I know I can be rambunctious. I'm, 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 I'm one of those brothers in that Willie Lynch letter that probably would have been killed and tore right before the rest of you brothers' eyes. I know I would. That's, I think I realized that when I was down here and, and knowing my spirit and how I'm not going to just stand for anything and fall for anything, I would have been one of those slaves that would have been ripped by two horses going in opposite directions just for the rest of you brothers to look at so that you would never buck up one time in your life on this plantation. I also noticed uh, how easy it was, how easy it was for us. And she even asked us, how come you didn't sacrifice yourself? How easy it was for just to think. And when it was time for to pick who was going to die, I got to thinking, dang, I hope I didn't make Darnell too mad. I hope Dre's still my friend. I started thinking the kind of thoughts that you would think if your brother's getting ready to turn on you. And you get to thinking about, damn, man, I shouldn't have said that to uh, Brother Kevin, man. I'm gone now. My life's over with for a quick statement. You dig? And there's another thing I want to say. One thing. Right after that enactment, she told us to look at each other like Catrice said. Look at the person that you picked to die. And when she did that, she said, niggas are so forgiven. She said, niggas are forgive so fast. And it made me think. Mm, powerful, powerful. You know, how, inspiration. Um, is, there, is there a situation that you've been in today that related to the Willie Lynch? Can you think of something that has happened or anybody, something that's happened in your life that made you think about any parts of what you went through yesterday? I'm not really familiar with the Willie, uh, Willie Lynch ladder, to be honest, but I did want to touch back on, you know, uh, uh, Frida, uh, Afrida. Uh, Afrie. Yeah, Afrie. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that I did notice, uh, because this is a first time for me, you know, um, one of the things that I did notice was how she stripped us of our makeup. You know, everything that we was attached to, like she said, you know, about the white ones or the white shoes and stuff like that, take them off and stuff like that. And so I took them off immediately, you know, and uh, for me, I kind of got naked in this experience. And, 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 and you and truly to, did. You yeah, know that. Don't yeah, you? <laughs> and, 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 and for me personally, I look back as my ancestors was naked throughout this experience, you know, the culture, the language and things like that. And so for me, it was a oneness. And then also, like, towards the end, she, she gave us words of affirmation to tell us that and to reassure us that we love ourselves and to speak that over ourselves. And she also told us that we are innocent. And she also said that our ancestors hated being called slaves. They did not accept that. They was not a slave. And, she, and so, you know, I appreciated that mm-hmm. because I know I'm not a slave. That's right. And, um, like, just... For me, that was the biggest takeaway because a lot of the times we, you know, we become slaves to our culture just by, you know, just adopting to it, just by being surrounded around it. And I was one that was a slave to my culture and to materialistic things. And that's what she told us. And and so for me, it was just like, it, it was an eye opener for me, you know, and uh, it was a fresh start for me. And I appreciated that. So that's what I had to say. I'll answer your question about okay. um, things that I see or have experienced in my life that are a direct connection or correlation to the Willie Lynch letter. And growing up, I was a little black girl who used to have very long hair. And I remember 
black girls not playing with me because I had really long hair. And, yeah, so, like, the Willie Lynch letter, because um, inspiration you said you aren't familiar with it, Willie Lynch was a, uh, was a slave trainer. You know how they have horse trainers, like, to break horses? He was a slave trainer. And what happened was, back, uh, let's see, or what is it, early 1800s, late 1700s, like, white people figured out that they couldn't break our spirits. They couldn't break our spirits. So what they were doing is they were killing us because we wouldn't conform. We wouldn't turn into slaves because we were not slaves. So what happened was, like, like back then, you know, $1,000 is a lot of money back then. A lot of money back then. So these slave owners were spending money on slaves, and they couldn't get them to work, so they were killing them. (laughs) And they realized, like, I am losing money on this investment. So they brought in Willie Lynch to, like, educate them on how to get my slaves to work because I can't keep killing my investment. So Willie Lynch came down, and he had this whole doctrine about how, hey, you can use these slaves to get everybody to conform for you. You ain't got to be killing off your money. You ain't got to be messing up the church's money. You ain't got to do none of that. They'll do it for you. So what you have to do is you have to pick a certain few, however you want to base it. That's fine. But what they typically did is they based it on your proximity to whiteness. So the lighter-skinned slaves received better treatment. And that bred resentment from the darker slaves. The lighter-skinned slaves worked in the house. They got the nicer clothes. They got, you know, the first of the scraps. So they ate better. They were treated better. You know, while, you know, like, the lighter-skinned slaves lived in close proximity to the master, so they were being raped every night. To the darker slaves who worked out in the fields from sunup to sundown, it looked like them niggas got it good. <laughs> and so, like, human nature made them jealous. So they started to hate each other and resent each other and, you know, fight amongst each other while they all, because... The lighter-skinned slaves thought, or the darker-skinned slaves thought that the lighter-skinned slaves got a little, a little compassion from the master. They wanted to cozy up to the master to get that better treatment because, you know, the way that they perceived that the master was treating the lighter-skinned slaves gave them the inclination that the master had a little bit of compassion. And as humans, what we typically do, which is just human nature, we just like, okay, if I'm better, if I'm smarter, if I'm, I'm greater, you know, like, they'll love me more. And that's what we began to do. And in the Willie Lynch letter, there's a portion that says, hey, if you do this right, it'll work for 300 years. And today we see that in everything. We see that in marketing. We see that in, the, in social media. Team dark skin, team light skin. That's right. Um, if you, you light know, skin, you soft. Yeah. It was also a variety of other differences that they used, big ones, short ones, black, you know, provided differences, like you said, with your hair and things of that nature. And it did start in 1712, so 300 years after that is 2012, and we still tripping. That's right. But But again, it was based on your proximity to whiteness. So, like, if you were closer to white in some way, shape, or form, or you had something that, you know, white people valued or, you know, looked upon as like you know good or white like you know you receive better treatment that's where we get that's where we get statements like you out here acting your color 
it, this is a this is a really good time to bring in uh, Captain Charles Alfin. Yay! Our illustrious tour guide for the trip. So we have to hear from Captain Alfin. Who is a Captain Alfin is a retired police captain um, from St. Louis. And uh, we'd like to hear, bring you into the conversation because I want to talk about, okay, we've been on this incredible research experience. How do we move forward from here? What are we going to go back to Minnesota with? Is What is that action plan? As I heard, I think we need some help with that, don't you think? Wow, I'm the, just the, uh, elated and honored to be in your company. I, um, I, was, I was sitting here wondering, um, when I first started these tours in 19, I guess 1985, I had certain goals that I wanted to achieve because I too knew nothing about this. I was from St. Louis, Missouri. The further I've been south was St. Louis. I had my degrees and I didn't know anything about this. And I was an angry African-American uh, working in the police department and seeing how unfair the criminal justice system is to uh, certain people of color. So I was looking for a solution to my um, conflict with the educational system about my son and just the other uh, problems that we have in, in the black community. And I met a young man that worked with Dr. King, called Dr. Bernard Lafayette, who was in St. Louis, and uh, his son was also in the same high school. He was a strategist for Dr. King, and was with Dr. King five hours before he was dead, assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. And he uh, showed me some strategy and then introduced me to Mrs. King, and. And then Mrs. King introduced me to John Lewis and Bevel and C.T. Vivian and Dorothy Cotton and Diane Nash, all the people you read about that changed this whole world. And I was exposed to them at the King Center studying what Dr. King was uh, philosophy, which I first thought Dr. King's philosophy was singing, we shall overcome, praise the Lord, and marching. And I didn't want anything to do with that. I wanted a stick or a pistol to change somebody's mind. So I was not with Dr. King when he was living. And so um, I was angry. But he, they taught me how powerful this whole uh, philosophy is, not only in social movements, but in your home and in the relationships you have with other people. But um, it's, all, it's all about um, how, can I re how can I relate to humanity? Uh, people who don't look like me, who are from the same source. So therefore, I decided I was going to bring this tour down for about four purposes. Number one was to um, educate people as to what kind of solutions we still had in 2021, in every day now, and not at, uh, they, they, they laid the footprints for us to start. Dr. King took the first step and let, left us a blueprint didn't finish it, but it left us a blueprint plant. So to let people know that, hey, we can do this again. Number two, I wanted to make sure that our history was, was uh, clear and correct. As I studied this, not only in the United States, around the world, uh, there's so much misinformation about the African-American history. And uh, as I traveled to South Africa, and Mrs. King told me when she gave me the thought to teach this, she said, uh, I want you to teach, make sure that my husband's philosophy has quality to it. And every time I train, I hear Mrs. King's voice because there's so much misinformation in Ivy League colleges, in Ivy League institutions, that it's not as incorrect about Dr. King. The third person, the third reason was to give people 
hope. Because as I listen to you all talk, uh, we need hope. And we've come a long way. We're not where we ought to be, but we're certainly not where we used to be. Montgomery has changed. You've seen all the blackness down here. And uh, we, need, we can take this further if we understand the game. I was telling my brothers from Uganda, you've got to understand the game. Once you understand the game, then you can play the game so that you can succeed. If you don't understand the game, you're going to lose every time. So therefore, we've got to, um, Dr. King and, and, and all the other leaders, Malcolm and, and uh, Kwame Ture, they understood the game. So that's the third reason. And then the fourth reason is to, um, to help me continue to be inspired because sometimes it gets, uh, we feel like we're not achieving anything, and this helps me keep going to know I'm on the right track and to make sure that I give those who want to listen everything I know because you've got to uh, do some research on this. Uh, the people that are against us, and I say us, blacks and whites, they're very, very sophisticated. And when Dr. King started uh, looking at the economic gap, they gave us buses in Montgomery and they gave us uh, to play with people in, in Birmingham, public accommodation, and they gave us the right to vote uh, for a little while in Selma because in 2013 the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. So therefore they gave us things, and Dr. King said in his last speech in 67, that that didn't cost anything. And to, to bring this economic more parity is going to cost America something. And that's when they assassinated him. And we all feel, the family feels too, that it was about economics. So therefore, and he said that's going to be the toughest fight. A cup of coffee and a lunch counter didn't cost anything. So therefore, we're in a tough fight. And I would say to you, as you were talking, they took the chains off our neck and our hands and they put them on our brains. So if you look at what, what's happening to our children and us today, it's just overt from the covert that you saw in Selma. The signs are not there. The white, black signs are not there. You can try to get a job if you want to, and uh, they'll tell you that we just feel that position. They're not educating our children. So the, the, the oppression is still there. It's just changed. It's over, not it's, over. It's, 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 right. It's, 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 it's very, and it's very systemic, and it's, it's hard to find. And some people feel like we have overcome, and all we did was come over. So therefore, therefore, we need to understand what do we do. Here's what we do. You've got some information now. If you don't use it immediately when you get back, you're going to go back to old self. Number one, I would suggest my brothers here that you, 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 you come together and support each other because there's going to be external images that want to take you back to old self. As soon as you touch down, your homies, you're going back as a new person and they're going to think you're still that old person so you have to have a conversation about this without putting them down to say I've changed and the way that you do that one way to do it is play like you found something well don't play like it but tell them what you tell them what you, you found out about this don't put them down and just show them pictures and I'm sure uh, my sister Monique is some fabulous and fantastic because She's giving you everything. Now, here's the deal. You, 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 you already had the ingredients, and now she's giving you the recipe. You know, a cake never gets baked without the recipe. So you already got the ingredients. That was God-given. 
So now you've got a recipe and you got a support system. But these brothers sitting here, I'm just elated to see these brothers sitting here. First of all, get yourself together. Don't try to change other people till you change yourself. Study this, continue to talk to each other. And when you understand that now you've got what we're talking about, it's called love, agape love. When you got that together, then you can start planning. It'll come very clear to you what you should be doing. But don't go back there trying to change what you just left because you're not ready. You're on a high. You're on a sugar high. You've got to get some information, and you've got to be patient. We're not going to change it in, in, a, in a, a day. Stay with Ujamaa. They're a support system that, that's got your back. So I'm excited, and I'm always available. You can call me anytime. You can't bother me, man, okay? And I'll give you my best experience. I'm not an expert. I've had some experiences, and I'll give you my best experiences. But I would say when you go back, all this has taught you, and I'll, I'll wrap this up. All this has taught you is to think about what you thought you knew. Mm, wow. amen. That's amen. all this has taught you. So, think about what you thought you knew. Wow. Wow. I felt that was powerful. You realize you ain't have a clue. That's that's powerful. Well, that this is a great way to end this segment. Uh, let's go around and give everybody the last word. All right. Whatever it is you're feeling in your heart, let's just go around. Oh, uh, I felt stupid, incredibly stupid until I came down to Burn and seen and counted the miles, rode down the freeway, the intercontinental slave trade, just the whole thing, man. I felt stupid. But I feel empowered now. I use that term, you know, not in the literal sense, but I feel real more empowered now. And I really thank you for the literal, technical definitions and explanations you gave us from day one all the way to day now, man. I feel grateful. Let me just start there. I feel grateful to be able to come down and get this history from someone who lived it. Uh, Cap and I were just talking about how, um, you know, how we were talking, how he said something to me yesterday and he felt like I wasn't focused, but I was just kind of like, again, in that place of immersion and I just hadn't come out yet. And I was explaining that to him and he was just asking me like, you know, how much did you know before you came down here? And I remember well, I was just telling him, I remember watching Roots when I was like six. Some of my grandma had me watching that. I probably shouldn't have been watching at six, but it was super, it was, it was impactful for me. Um, and what stood out to me then was how, you know, when Kunta Kinte came to America and they really just tried to strip him of his culture and everything from like telling him his name was Toby and not Kunta Kinte and you know the way he prayed Fiddler telling him don't pray that way they'll kill you yeah um and just saying that how you know he kept his lineage alive by he kept his lineage alive by like giving that story like handing that story by word of mouth down to his family because again you know Kunta Kinte was getting ready to go to college when he was captured so like he wasn't a porch monkey he wasn't a savage but the way that we had been taught about Africans and you know enslaved people before you know we learned about Kunta Kinte was that you know they was in Africa swinging from trees they didn't know nothing they just you know like learning that 
you know, like he had that and he gave that to his family. It like drove my thirst for knowledge and being able to come down here and soak up the knowledge from cap was, has just been like an absolute blessing. And thank you cap for giving us that. Yes. Um, yeah, the trip has been, um, definitely a blessing for me. Um, very motivated and, um, yeah, coming to this trip actually made me realize how much I don't think, you know, that I thought I knew and I didn't realize I didn't know at all. So it's like me um, me coming to this trip really have uh, shaped my mind. Even at school, like, you know, school doesn't teach you any of these kind of things. And, um, and t- I also want to say, too, like, we can't depend on people that didn't come from our culture that don't look like us to teach us about our own history. So, so that's something I do want to say. And I also want to motivate the young people and to read, read about your history. Like, and like I was saying too, and come to Alabama, Montgomery, <laughs> at least once in your life. Cause it will, it will change you like seriously. And, um, me coming here, like it's such been a honor and privilege and, me coming to Selma, it was really uh, intense because when I got off the bus, it I don't know, it was just it felt like my body was just shaking because I was really just looking and it's just like, oh my goodness, like this is where it all, you know, this is where my people fall for their rights and and also about voting and all that other stuff just started playing in my head and it's like, wow, this is what they had to go through to to fight for their rights and it just it made me feel bad it made me feel like i wasn't you know wasn't grateful and um yeah it just um made me feel like like i just didn't know a lot of stuff like i thought i knew a lot and i didn't and it kind of it bothered me because i was the type of person to be like you know i know a lot about my history and you know and coming here it angered me because it was like I didn't realize how so much stuff I didn't know, and and that was another reason why um, we. I also want to put out when we went to the uh, what was her name again, Miss Alfreya, Alfreya, yeah, Miss Alfreya, when she took us under the <laughs> under the boat, yeah. and uh, yeah, I just started crying, man, and it was just like just thinking about what uh, what our women went through, thinking about how a black man. You know, I felt like we couldn't protect them, and it's it's a lot of stuff. It just really bothered me, and it just like made me angry. That's why I was squeezing my brother's hand so hard, and I was just crying because it was just like, wow, like why, why has this happened? You know what I mean? It's just like I feel like we're still affected, affected by it today. You know, and it's it's like it. Uh, and I also want to say this too, like to put out is it made me appreciate my my black women more. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I also want to tell y'all, my black women, I love y'all. And uh, y'all been through a lot. And uh, y'all carry for us a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. I also want to say that. No, seriously. And uh, Monique that's something. loves you too. Yeah. So, and, uh, and Monique hugging me. She comforted me when I was crying. And, yeah, I felt comfort, you know, about y'all. And, uh, yeah, I, that, it just shaped me. It's, I know I have to... Um, I would never be the same after this. I, I call my mom and everything about this situation. And, um, yeah, that's all I need to say. So, yeah. Great, great, great. Thank you, bro. Um, 
I feel blessed and honored to be here. Um, I feel like a student. Um, I feel like that a lot of the stuff that I did read, I wasn't really interested in it because I kept hearing that it wasn't the truth. And I feel like that I had to come to uh, Alabama, Montgomery, and Selma to hear the truth uh, from people who actually walked it and lived it. And um, I'm just thankful for Captain because if it wasn't from him, I wouldn't even knew that Martin Luther King name wasn't Martin at first. It was Michael. And it's just those little things that mean a lot to me, you know, because that's something that I could take back and tell somebody else, you know, and free them from the lies or whatever, you know. And um, I just, you know, to be honest, it, it, it really made me feel one with my ancestors. You know, I, I didn't feel apart. I didn't, I didn't feel like I involved. But when Afrié uh, chose me to participate, like, afterwards, I felt so involved, you know, um... I embraced it differently, you know, um, because it was the truth and it was authentic and I participated in it. And I felt what I felt the, just a glimpse of what my ancestors felt. And for me, it just, it just changed me, you know, hearing the screaming, hearing the crying. And it was real tears. It was real emotions. And that was just a piece of it. Um, you know, uh, walking, you know, along the paths of where the, the slaves, where they wasn't slaves, but my ancestors was brought in you know, was changed, was stripped, and, you know, was conformed. And, and things like that, it just, it just touched me in a way that I never knew that I could be touched by this, you know, um, in a way that the textbook couldn't touch me, you know. Um, I just feel good. I really do. I feel so good. Like, I don't even know how to to uh, to um, report the message back to my people, you know, because they so far gone. They like, like me, before I came here, I didn't feel like that this even mattered. And so, like, just looking at everything and how, like, how they fought for even to vote. And right now we're still doing that. You know what I'm saying? And, and how the past plays a part to our, in today's uh, present and future. And things like that. Like, I, I remember a time before I came to Ujamaa, I didn't want to vote. I didn't think my vote counted. But being a part of the, um, what was it? We went to the phone bank. And it was, uh, I was about to get hired for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, it, it was something Minnesota with Minnesota voting. Votes. They was trying to hire me to go out and recruit other black men to vote because they felt like that by me being black and young, I was be able to reach the other black men because our votes were so important. But I didn't know the importance of our vote or my vote. But coming down here and seeing how they marched and fought, went to court steps and marched 500, I mean 50 miles, just to be able to fight for the votes, you know, of us to be able to vote. I felt so good because now I can go back and tell people how important it is to vote. And even though if you don't know how important your vote is, it's important for our ancestors. You see what I'm saying? And so that's that's what really made a difference for me. So I'm honored. Captain Alfin, give us the last word. Well, I am um, I am a student, and uh, the young men and Ujama are teaching me as you talk. So I'm listening very well, and. Um, just related to be with people who uh, have the, the passion, tenacity to want to change this world for, our, for the unborn generation. What we're doing now will change unborn generations. We, once we break this cycle of violence, we'll break it for over 100 years. So we can break this cycle of violence. So I'm just uh, delighted and honored to, to listen and be with you and share my experiences and also give you any uh, guidance and, you know, hope strategy that I can because uh, we can conquer this. And thank you. Love thank you, you all. We love, love you. you. Yes. All right. I would say 
the first feeling that I feel is gratitude to my creator, um, to my Ujamaa family, to my ancestors. Um, the second part of what I feel is like jubilation. I feel relieved. I feel free. In my mind, I'm just going to lay a picture out for the listeners. In my mind, I kind of see like not me as the individual leader, but us as a team. Like we standing at the Red Sea and it just opened for us. And, and we about to walk across. And, I, and, and seeing that in my mind, my heart beating fast right now because I, I know that, that we're going to do it as a team for our people just off this. And that was what made me feel so thankful to Monique and to Ujama, to Otis, to the people who put this together, to Cap, because without you guys, where would we be? So it made me feel like I got a son on the way. I have a daughter. So it's like if I don't continue to carry this torch or – relate to them how important this legacy is, then it doesn't it doesn't continue. I would just like to say um one thing that really resonated with me on this trip is that um when Miss Afrie was after after the reenactment, she explained the disconnection in family and how it it um it plays a role in our our uh, middle back and the man's middle back. And I never knew that, but like being a man and actually suffering from middle back pain, it, it makes sense now to me. I can actually relate to it now. And also another thing too was um, basically like how important it is to really look up your your family history and know who you are because like they say you know once you know the past you know where the future is going to go and i just want to thank all of my ujama family here with me because without you guys i would not be here so i really appreciate you guys bringing me on this trip and everything that you guys do for me um darnell baker your coach um there's so many people I want to thank. I want to thank Otis Zanders, our CEO of Ujama Place. I've known him 25 years, probably 27 now, actually. And know his heart, and I want to thank Monique and our entire Ujama family. Um, I want to thank Captain um, for the presentation, just for all the knowledge that you shared with us, um, all the little intricate stuff that we did not know. Um, and I'm going to get your number before I leave because I want to be able to communicate and send pictures. I just, I just love this opportunity. Um, there's so many pieces. Just, I really felt these last three days have just been everywhere we went in Alabama here is sacred ground. It doesn't matter where we go. Um, we've been downtown as desolate as it looks. It almost looks as if it was 1965. Um, white buildings, uh, hardly anybody on the streets. But I also felt just ancestry everywhere, everywhere we went and the connection through that ancestry. And it's just amazing. We went down by the water where the ships came in and uh, the tunnel where they come walk from, um, the houses that they were stored in, um, and the, even the experience itself, the actual uh, reenactment experience. Um, it impacted. It impacted. And I think for me personally, um, it was a deep connection to my ancestry that I don't think I ever had, um, uh, especially as I shared earlier that when going to the Lynch Monument today. And I'm excited because I saw some family names on there. And I called my family today immediately and said, let's begin the search because these names are in our family. Um, 
This is from Mississippi. This is our family. I know it is. I know it is. Um, so I am so appreciative. Uh, again, Monique, thank you so much. Captain, I love you so much, and i only known you three days. So, so yeah, 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 yeah. And, and when you think of it, like you said, is when I think of Martin Luther King, this is an anointed man. He was an anointed man. Yeah. When you hear his speeches, that ain't a speech written. That is not a speech written. That's that's straight from God. That's a note saying this is what you should say. Uh, and to even meet you, Cap, and knowing how uh, angry and violent you were, and then you got in touch with some kind of nonviolent, and and it's just amazing. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, I'm James, and uh, my last takeaway words is uh. They say don't judge a man or a woman until you walk a mile in their shoes. And I feel like I had a chance to walk a mile in my ancestors' shoes. But usually when they say judge, you would think of something negative. But I'm judging them on a more positive thing because several people told us how powerful, how strong they were. And I, I know the captain, uh, he told us how black folks did stick together because I always hear about how we don't stick together. And he said if we didn't stick together, we wouldn't be here. So Amen. it was Amen. another confirmation. Yes. I, I remember being in barbershops trying to tell the young people uh, about, like, Black Wall Street and that we have stuck together, you know, but they don't. They didn't really know that. And I noticed something that y'all do with the coaches and y'all trying to pass it down to the young ones. And he made a, a, a good point about they they the ones that can carry the message back the best. And, and I believe that. So... It's a lot of things I, I've seen here that I agree with. I also want to thank the captain and, and you and uh, everybody on this trip have expired me in some mm. kind of way. Wow. Well, I want to introduce my partner in cultural financial literacy, Miss Kimberly Hem, who's here on the trip with us. Yay. So let's give you the last word. Last word for me, I'd say... The biggest thing that I was the biggest aha I had was I felt ignorant. I felt as educated as I am, as all the letters you can put after my name doesn't matter at all. The amount of knowledge I felt I should have had, I didn't have a lot of it. Like I told Cap at one point on the bus, I said, I have an ignorant question for you. He's like, that was actually an intelligent question, Kim. I was, I just, I felt like there's a lot of this stuff I should have known, but the fact is this isn't taught. Our history is not taught to us. And this experience has truly opened my eyes in a way that I thought they were already open. And they weren't. So I really appreciated all this. I'll say today, as I mentioned before, there's some other things that I've learned and I've touched on some of that, but I'll say today my biggest learning or biggest thing that touched me was uh, when we looked at the dirt. And I just kept looking at that, like they don't know where these bodies were hung and they're putting dirt in jars to acknowledge the loss of this person's life, but they have no idea if they're anywhere in this dirt. And looking at all of those jars affected me. I walked out and Cedric pulled up to me and said, Kim, are you okay? I was like, no. And he just <laughs> hugged me. I was so proud of him. And it's just so thankful we've got so, I've, we have 
grown together on this trip. We've experienced so much together on this trip. That bond in itself is not going to ever change. And thank you for sharing your knowledge, Cap, with us because I needed it more than I realized I did. Everybody. Wow. Round applause for everybody. Yes. Yes. The, you know, our theme for the trip was hope is our superpower. We truly believe that because if our ancestors had lost hope, we wouldn't be sitting here today. All right. And um, one of the things that we um, talked about at Miss Efrier's house um, I call it her house because I tell you, the spirits were in there, you know. But, um, you know, these colonizers, slave traders, they took the best from Africa. They didn't took weak, feeble, unhealthy, sick. They took the best. And everyone sitting here, it comes from the best. So Amen. have faith in yourself. And, and I do want to say one thing to young people because – I hear a lot of negative a lot around young people, not doing enough, not knowing, not just, and I, you know, I'm inspired by young people. I have a lot of hope for our future based on what I see young people doing. So I think we have to lift up young people. We have to lift them up. We have to encourage them. We have to share this information with them. There's change happening out there and I do contribute it contributed to what I see young people doing. So I want to make sure that we really lift up and we're passing on this knowledge and teaching them about the fight. They will never have to stop fighting. I think this, the reality of this, we know from what our ancestors have been that we have to keep fighting. I also want to thank Northwest Area Foundation. I have to thank them because they started us on this cultural financial literacy journey over three years ago. And we have trained a lot of people in our community, a lot of the partner organizations, we pass it on, train the trainer programs. We have really developed something that that is very powerful in our community. And we're working on and focusing on wealth uh, generation. So I wanna thank them. I wanna again mention our our Twin Cities communities of partner, our practice partners. Uh, YWCA St. Paul, PPL, and Cultural Wellness Center. They've been tremendous in in helping us spread this throughout the community. And I also, I thought about Otis Zanders throughout this trip, who was supposed to be here with us. And I really felt his spirit and energy right here with us. So I want to really just lift him up in prayer as he recovers, Ujamaa place. It's that love in the community and the love for the men is the reason that we do this. Amen. That's right. He lifts us up. He keeps us going. And we just want to make sure that he knows how much we love him. Amen. We love you, Otis. And thank you for listening to this episode of A Black Man Sketch, episode 22. And we'll be back real soon. Very soon. Thank you.